people deluded i'm back again good morning i hope you're all doing well and safe as usual welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast it's a pleasure to have you guys and i'm happy to be back here now yeah like i said good morning and as you know this is the last week in the premier league fixture calendar it's been a crazy year it's been a crazy season we've had restarts we've had many managers leaving Teams look on the borderline of getting relegated, you know, Liverpool running away with it. It's been a mad season and it's coming to a close. Speaking for myself as an Arsenal fan, I'm happy it's coming to a close, to be honest. Like the FA Cup in isolation is the one bright spark of what has been a turbulent season, to put it nicely for Arsenal. But with that, let's not waste any more time, man. Let's cut to the chase, man. Let's talk about the Premier League fixtures that have been and gone. Now, Man United, you know, Man United, Leicester and Chelsea are all fighting for top four. Only two of the three teams can get the spaces. And we'll get on to this week's weekend's action, but it's gone firmly down to the last day. And between that and the relegation race, we're kind of getting some excitement because there was never a league, in hindsight, there was never a league challenge. It's just been Liverpool running away with it. But yeah, man, Man United dropped two important points against against West Ham. And it's a shame because many Man United fans you speak to, they went on a decent run. But a lot of them feel it means nothing apart from feel-good factor. Because whenever it's a, there's an opportunity to make ground on their rivals, they've choked time and time again. Like, you know, De Gea, I feel sorry for him with every game. He looks a bit shaky. Um, you know, I think Bruno Fernandes didn't have the best of games. I think he's a baller, but at times he tries too hard. Obviously, Pogba, I don't know what he's doing with the handball. You know, a couple of poor performers in that Manchester United game. Obviously, Greenwood in his 50th game for them saved the day and of sorts and, and scored. And, you know, Greenwood keeps doing his thing. And no teenager has actually scored more goals in a single competition than him, which is 17. He's actually level with Brian Kidd, Wayne Rooney and George Best at various points. Now, you, it doesn't matter what age you are as a Man United fan, them three names there, if you're among them in some sort of stat, you're doing the right thing. And I firmly believe by the time he's finished kicking football, the 18-year-old, he'll be firmly up there. You know, it's a big claim to say he'll be up there with George Best, but I do think he'll be in, in good company because that kid is going straight to, he's not even a kid, that young man is going straight to the top. Mason Greenwood has it all. He is, but above everything, he's very calculated and speed of thought. Everything else will fall into place. Um, and obviously for Greenwood as well, he's the first teenager to score 10 Premier League goals in a season as a teenager since Lukaku grabbed 14 in 2012-2013 and Rooney did so in 04-05. Again, good company, but apart from that, it was a poor performance for Man United. And, you know, Man United could have went into the last game of the season feeling a bit gassed. The only saving spark for Manchester United is obviously Chelsea dropped points. And we'll get on to that. I personally think United are going to beat Leicester. I personally think Chelsea are going to get top four. I think Leicester have bottled it. Um, of course, for banter purposes, it'll be brilliant if one of them doesn't. But I think both of them will get. I think Leicester will choke. I could be wrong. Again, mathematically, everything is still possible. But for Man United, simple point is we're getting to the end of the season. Two points dropped. And to be fair, I, I agree with Oli. Rest changes needed to happen regardless. But it almost looks like egg on face because you've rested players with the FA Cup. You've thrown the FA Cup because you've got bigger things to bigger fish to fry, and then you've put in a, a poor shift. So it doesn't really justify subbing, um, resting players beyond fitness levels that the common fan isn't aware of. Um, so yeah, obviously Mikel Antonio just can't stop scoring goals since the restart, and he has now scored eight goals for in the Premier League since the restart. He's the joint mo which is the joint most of any player. He stands with Raheem Sterling at such people. Um, he previously before before the campaign was suspended, he only bagged twice. So clearly something's paying off in the training ground. What he, whatever he's doing, 
in relation to Arsenal, you know, one step forward, two steps back. You know, if you offered me beating Liverpool and City and we'll lose to Villa, I would have taken that. But it just shows the issues we have as a club, personally. Like, I've reviewed the game. If you want all my opinions, go and watch the game again. But, you know, we failed to build, first 15 or so, we failed to build on any sort of possession. We had any pressure. There's a lack of creativity within this midfield and it kind of kills us in games where teams sit back. Obviously, we shot ourselves in the foot again in the build-up to the corner and obviously the build-up for the set-piece, well, the build-up for the corner and obviously the defending for the set-piece that led to Trezeguet's goal. I mean, you know, everybody's caught flat-footed, everybody's caught ball-watching, very slow to react. Trezeguet is not closed down and he has, he has an eternity to sort out where he wants the place to shot and, you know, it's a cheap goal to concede and that's been a theme of ours and there's the table doesn't lie when it shows that i hope we finish eighth but when it shows eighth to tenth when it shows the amount of winning points we've dropped from winning positions you know all season 21 under arteta 15 when it puts up the number of draws and defeats and home um, away records and stuff the players have to be able to take it because the truth don't lie this has been a woeful season for arsenal and you know credit to villa because they're fighting for it they're trying to stay in the league and they've put themselves in a good position especially when you consider what happened to watford people simple as for arsenal sadly you know it means we've lost 10 league matches for a third consecutive season for the first time since a run of seven between 1981 and 82 and 1987-88 you know, it's it's a poor thing. Obviously, being down at half-time to Villa was the 13th game this season we found ourselves behind before the interval, which is the joint most in a single campaign for the Gunners since 94-95. You know, we really, really big prospect of the first ever season next season with no European football at all since the since I've actually been alive and comprehended Arsenal. So we're in issues. With that, it, it lifted Aston Villa out of the relegation zone. It was the first time they was outside of such zone since February, essentially, people. Um, so it's good for Villa. They're doing what they need to do at the right time. Obviously, 46% of Arsenal goals have been conceded this season via set-piece situations, which stands at 21 the highest ratio in the division. Again, stats don't lie. We have improved slightly at set pieces, but this the word improvement is subjective because I can't really come here and tell you we've improved when we're still doing these things. You know, we've done it against Spurs. We've done it against Brighton. We're not learning from mistakes. Mistakes made more than once become a choice. Once again, I'm not saying they're going out there to purposely do things, but they're not learning from mistakes. You know, they keep. it's like getting, you know, as a little kid, you put your hand in the fire, you get burned once, you cry, your mum says serves you right and makes you sure you're right. And next time you think twice before that. It's like we're still putting our hand in the fire and expecting something to change. You know, we've got some really bad habits at this club. And I don't know if things can get better really and truly, man. But I hope and pray, man. Beyond that, there's, there isn't too much. Now, with that being said, Aston Villa's gain is Watford's loss. They lost 4-0 against Manchester City. Raheem Sterling and co. ran riot. You know, probably the easiest game to speak about. There isn't much. Raheem Sterling did what he needed to do. You know, Kevin De Bruyne is rapidly chasing Thierry Henry's record and let's hope he doesn't do it but I think they've got Norwich on the last day if I'm Kevin De Bruyne I'm playing that I'm taking all set pieces I firmly think he's going to break Thierry Henry's record and to be fair you know it stood for what 20 or so years you know he's a striker Kevin De Bruyne is a prime assist man you know who better to lose it with and you know Kevin's been one of the best players in the Premier League and is one of the best players to ever play in the Premier League so if you're going to lose your record to someone why not lose it to him Plus, Henri did spend a little bit of time in a coaching capacity with the Belgian national team. So he could say that, you know, I basically helped Kevin go and get that. But, you know, it would be a good season for Kevin. And if he gets that, I know the only thing going against him is he's not a league champion. 
But I think he's been the best player personally in the Premier League this season. You know, I'd say for me, it's been him and Mane um, off the top of my head. I think Kevin De Bruyne has been superb, people. He won't win it. Henderson will, which I think is, so sorry to say, a disgrace. Don't get it twisted. Henderson's been good this season. Played a central figure to Liverpool claiming their title. But I think if you cut the crap, you know Kevin De Bruyne and him. There's no match. You know, Kevin has been a baller nine times out of ten this season. But like I said, 4-0 victory for Man City. Clean sheet, three points. Firmly angry at Watford. Watford are flirting with relegation, you know. And to be fair, they deserve to go. It's been turbulent, you know. The players have made this, have forced themselves into a relegation race. Watford didn't have to get to this point. You know, it's been turbulent up in terms of coaching staff. Numerous coaches, Nigel Pearson, Kieros, you know, um, Oscar, is it Garcia? I could be wrong. A bag of managers and now they've got a caretaker boss. You know, it doesn't scream stability. It doesn't scream everybody singing from the same hymn sheet. So Watford probably deserved to go down. And for Raheem Sterling, he's now scored 19 Premier League goals this season, which is his outright best return in, in the competition in a single campaign. So he's just getting better and better year in, year out and firmly ageing with fine wine. Now, you saw Liverpool versus Chelsea, no doubt, folks. And that game, to put it nicely, was crazy. Fantastic for the neutrals and one of the best games to kind of end the league, end the season. Now, Chelsea had to go into that and get something away from it. You know, it would have put them in a great position in terms of being in the Champions League spots. And I'm all sure you saw Lampard's rather rude words about Liverpool and only winning the league one time and giving it the big in. Um, it had everything, man. You know, Liverpool, free, uh, Firmino has scored at Anfield. Like, it, it sounds crazy. Like, Firmino scored in the, at Anfield. It's a crazy game. Um, Nige, um, Naby Keita, sorry, he's been in decent form. You know, he seems to be finding his feet um, and fitting in at Liverpool. He scored a serious rocket. Then, you know, Trent said, you know what, I see your rocket and I'm going to raise it, you know, and he put in a lovely free kick. It was quite funny seeing the Chelsea players continuously shout at Kepa to come out numerous times within that game. And, you know, that free kick was lovely by Kepa. I mean, um, from Trent, you know, Kepa's rooted to the spot. And, you know, it's the result of the training ground. And God knows where Trent Alexander-Arnold specifically ranks in terms of Premier League assists outright. Because considering he's a fullback, and I know the way Liverpool play, he's going to top the assist ranks. But it's crazy. You know, him and Robertson are doing good things. Trent is a quality player, a world-class player, you know. It be you know I do think it's a matter of time before he comes captain when Henderson calls it a day and moves on you know Trent has to be the captain who better you know he's won the prem he's won the champs he's one of the most consistent players he's getting assists and he's a Liverpool born and bred you know he's firmly someone that needs to take over the mantelpiece you know Ronaldo scored as well there was a couple of other goals you know Pulisic bagged the goal and assist Giroud got a consolation Tammy scored but it's too little too late it's way too little too late Chelsea shot themselves in the foot again not able to defend properly from set pieces. You look at Wijnaldum's goal, that was terrible goal to concede. You know, I hope Chelsea play like that when we play them, but we all know they won't, people, and it's crazy. Um, I don't really understand statistics because, you know, our goals concede, Arsenal's goals conceded from set pieces is one of the highest in the league with 46%. But if you look at um, from specific corners, only only bottom place Norwich with 12 have conceded more Premier League goals from corner situations than Chelsea, which is 10. So I'm not too sure these stats at Opta are making complete sense, but it is what it is. And it's taking Firmino 20 appearances at Anfield to score his first Premier League goal there. He's ended a run of 1,991 minutes of play and 56 attempted shots without scoring at the ground since he netted in 2019 against Spurs, which was March. 
he's too good of a player not to score enough. I think, you know, I, I do think, you know, Firmino's, what he offers the team, you know, what he does at Liverpool, it's not about goals. He connects things. But when you call in a spade a spade, Firmino is too good of a player to have these childish goal returns. Like, a player like Firmino should be bagging week in, week out at Anfield. This guy's a baller, you know. Like, he gets away with a lot. Like, he's too good of a player for me not to be scoring more, not to be near a Mo Salah and Mane for 20 league goals. Definitely shouldn't have that at Anfield. Like, you can talk about these contributions all you want. He has, he plays up front. He should score more. And he is a baller. He is a baller, without a doubt. With that, though, Liverpool have remained unbeaten at Anfield in three consecutive league seasons for the first time in the club's history. So this bunch of players are just defining history more and more, crafting it more and more, building a dynasty more and more and more and more. So you can't not fault, you can't not... Um, you can't have have nothing but admiration for Liverpool. And the, the, the key is now, can you get into another Champions League final next year? Can you retain the Premier League next year? Can you potentially think about doing a three-peat like, like Manchester United, you know? I do think to a degree, if Liverpool are going to get better and better, they do need to change things up a bit. There is, whether they like it or not, there will be subconscious and conscious complacency. Teams will kind of find them out. You know, it won't be plain sailing. I don't know whether that's another centre-half, whether that's uh, some fullbacks to cover, Trent and, and Robertson, if something happens, a creative sort of midfielder, an out-and-out number nine that can give them depth. I, I don't know if he's ready, but you look at Ryan Brewster doing his thing at Swansea, you know, he must be thinking I can take Origi's place. Potentially even strength, just a couple signings to strengthen depth. I don't really think Liverpool have that depth. Like, you know, I do think they'll probably sell Harry Wilson because it could allow them to use funds elsewhere. Like, they could probably get 20 to 40 million for Harry Wilson because he's not going to stay out with Bournemouth and use that elsewhere. But equally, they could use him as a squad player because like, I don't think Curtis Jones is going to be a baller for Liverpool. But next year, I think he's going to graduate from a youngster to a sort of squad player, get more first-team football next year, play more of a central figure. So maybe it can be solved in-house. You know, they have got a number of talented young players, but I do think they need a couple. And I, you, you look at it, they have tried, you know, remember they tried to bring in Fakir, so they recognise there are a couple of signings they can make to take them to that next level if need be. Um, moving away, Wolves claimed the 2-0 victory over Crystal Palace. Brighton and Newcastle drew 1-1. Everton claimed three points against Sheffield United. Moving to, you know, the last game of the season, people for everybody and the football we're looking at, you know, our Everton play Bournemouth. You know, Bournemouth have to win to stay up. You know, Villa, Bournemouth and Watford, one of them have to go down, but they can all technically stay up. Like, I think depending on results, Bournemouth can stay up if they keep a clean sheet. They win 1-0 and somebody else wins. Well, Arsenal win 1-0. Equally, Watford win. Other results happen. They could stay up. Villa could stay up as well. Um, so it is, a it is a techie one, people. It is a very techie one for both teams. In fact, even with Villa and Watford right now, does it not come that bottle down to goal difference? So if Bournemouth want any chance, they have to win. In fact, Bournemouth could technically be down before they've even played, forgive me if I'm wrong. So, yeah, Everton and Bournemouth... In fact, not before they're down, but yeah, you get what I mean. Everton and Bournemouth, you know, Everton... They probably just want the season to end. Carlo Ancelotti probably just wants to reflect and you hear them linked with Hoiberg and stuff. Firmly want to plan for next season. It's been a tough season for Everton. Uh, Norwich already down playing for pride. They might as well just go out there and enjoy it against Manchester City. You know, Kevin De Bruyne is chasing that that record. You know, he probably will get it against them based on how the game goes. But Norwich might as well enjoy it. It's the last time you're going to go out there and hear the Champions League, Champions League, the Premier League theme tune and all of these things. Go out there and enjoy it. For some of you, some of you are playing for Premier League places. Go out there and showcase your talent. But fundamentally, enjoy it. It's the last time some of you will ever kick a ball in the Premier League again because certain players in that Norwich side are just not levels to be in the Premier League. So go out there and enjoy it. 
Palace got Spurs, Spurs got Palace, and that could be a tricky game. And hopefully that's one full of twists and turns for the last game of the season. You know, Spurs have kind of hit some decent form, going to finish ahead of us again, um, doing their thing. Palace have had a decent year, so well, let's see how that one goes. West Ham have confirmed safety. They've got Aston Villa. That's a six-pointer for Villa. You know, Villa have to do it. If West Ham ha play with nothing to play for, of course Villa are going to win. But West Ham, you know, they've, they've beaten Chelsea. They've got a good result in the week against Manchester United. David Moyes' old team. Maybe that was the carrot between their teeth for such. Um, but yeah, man, we'll have to see. And Villa to have any chance of staying up, they have to. And, you know, considering they beat Arsenal 1-0, that's going to give them every bit of confidence, you know. And it's going to come down to fine margins. Burnley got Brighton, you know, both teams probably just want the season to be done. Newcastle and Liverpool square off. And for Liverpool, you know, they've had the title celebrations. It's just about enjoying it now, you know, going off for a couple of weeks and resting and coming back with the intensity to do it again. Liverpool have to come back next season and behave like they ain't. They have to move like they haven't won the Premier League before. That's the only way to, to have true hunger. Move like you've never claimed that before. Move, behave like your club still is chasing that 30-year thing, you know, because that's how you go again with the same intensity. You know, Southampton will play Sheffield. And again, Southampton, considering a few months ago, they were losing 8 or 9 nil to Leicester. They fixed up. They've got one of the best away records this season. There's stuff for them, Hassan Hortel, and them to build on next season. For Sheffield United, they've had a quality season. They've slipped off a bit since the restart by their own standards, but have performed high above expectations. And when you're looking for teams in the league, like collective, who's been the best teams not beyond beyond league positions? For me, I'm going to say without a doubt, clearly Liverpool because they're the champions. Sheffield United, I think they've performed above expectations and done very well. So I think they're just in terms of the team and the relative context and, and, and what the team was expected of, I think they've done very well. You know, by Chelsea standards, they're a big club. They, you know, I'm sure they won't be happy. But considering people are saying they're going to do what Arsenal's doing, you know, they've done well for themselves to get a couple of teams. Even Leicester, even if Leicester bottle it and get Europa League, it's still been a good season. It's been stupid because they bottled, they were running away with, with Champions League spaces and they've bottled it, but it will still be a bit booky. And you've obviously got Wolves against Chelsea now for Leicester. United, Leicester have United, Wolves against Chelsea. And obviously, um, <clears throat> Well, yeah, that's the three teams. Yeah, I've said it already. It's, it's, it's an interesting game. To have any chance, Wolves have to be defeated by Chelsea. It's Leicester versus United. I back United to win that, to be fair with you. I just think, I don't know if Sienchu's still out. Um, I haven't been a fan of what Leicester have been doing at the back, especially with Bennett. I think James Justin was poor against Spurs. I think there's enough for United to really cause them trouble on the counter-attack with their frontmen of Martial, Rashford and the rest of and Greenwood if he plays and whatnot. I just think I can't look past United. I think United will do that and get in the Champions League. And for United, you're chasing getting in the Champions League via the top four and then the Europa League because many people didn't say it. There's still question marks of Ole Gullis Solskjaer and the players. But at the end of the day, that's something to build on and then they can go and assess what they can do in the transfer market. Pardon me. So it's a bit of a dodgy one. In other news, though, I'm all sure you've seen that there's going to be no Ballon d'Or this season, which I don't really care about the Ballon d'Or. I don't think it's got integrity. I don't think it's voting for the best sort of players. I think it's clubs, it's clubs, coaches and players just voting for their friends and voting strategically. It's, there's no integrity. So it's a welcome relief to help to, for me to hear it's not there. But, you know, I don't know if Messi or Ronaldo would have won it this year. You know, they've both had terrific seasons. You know, there's only a handful of teams Ronaldo ain't scored against in the in the Serie A this season. And I think he's been suspended against one. I could be wrong. He's been injured against the other and he didn't play versus one of them. Messi's up there. You know, he won the, he won the top goal scorer. He's up there for assists. There's all sorts of stats for these two players. Um, 
But I think it's like I would vote Lewandowski to be fair. I think he's been quality this year. So it's a welcome release to me. As you lot know, Jude Bellingham has already confirmed his move to Borussia Dortmund, but Birmingham have paid tribute to the nun, the young 17-year-old and it speaks volumes. Um, they've retired his number 22 shirt now. It's been met with a lot of hysteria. Certain play, people are wondering how can someone who's only made one season, who only played for one season, made 44 appearances, have his shirt retired, you know. And, you know, that is true, but at the same time, you know, he's been there since eight years of age. He's a Birmingham fan. He's acted with complete integrity. It's a lovely gesture, really and truly, for him, people. You know, he probably didn't want to leave right now. Again, Dortmund's a fantastic project, and he probably jumped on it. But as you lot know, Birmingham have to keep money, have to make money, have to keep afloat. This 23 million is going to help them. Now, you could say it is a bit cheap, considering what he's going to be worth in 18 months, two years or so. Like, by the time he's 20, he might even be back in the Premier League. He's going to be a baller. Um, but yeah man I, I, I think it's a great gesture to, for what it is obviously you don't want it to become the norm retiring every shirt number and things like that but we'll have to see man and I wish Jude Bellingham all the best in Germany man I think he's going straight to the top away from that as you lot know um, in nine days the Scottish Premiership was due to start um, seven members of staff at St Mirren have tested positive for coronavirus, COVID-19. The club confirmed several members of their coaching staff had tested positive, but no players. Let's hope for the best under that. Apparently, Premier League clubs will hold a review of VAR on Friday, which is today. The review will take place during a shareholders meeting and Mike Riley will present clubs with data of VAR's impact in league matches. Um yeah people um and as you lot know fifa have taken charge of it it needs to be re-ramped because again var in itself isn't bad it's the way it's implemented it's the sometimes it's the rules um I'll, I'll be fair to officials you know the rules don't make sense and if they're implementing these rules that don't make sense then they're doing their job but at the same time var isn't making sense you know someone's toenail is offside in one game he's mad he, he, he's flagged for offside then in the next game the same situation he's not there's too many grey areas, too many contexts not applied. VAR isn't used when it should be used. You get sometimes it's a joke, people, and it's still firmly just a bunch of people sitting in a room in Stockley making the wrong decisions, people. So it's not really a thing. For me, I think VAR can be used for good, but it needs to be revamped and reworked. Specifically, what could be done in that regard, I'm not too sure. I don't have a clue. Um, but we'll have to see. We'll have we'll have to firm we'll have to firmly see. Um, it's a, it's it's simply a, it's simply a joke, really and truly. Um, I'm not a fan of VAR at all. But if you're Manchester United, you are. Like it is what it is. Um, well, let's see what happens in that regard. Away from that, though, apparently Ernest and Young conducted a study and reports that 1.27 billion revenue will be a hit. Will be the hit to French football owing to COVID-19 and the decision not to complete the 2019-20 season. So I'd wonder, I think everybody but PSG would be in trouble. In fact, it said the report concludes that without further government bailout support, French football instruction is in danger of collapsing. And, you know, it is a bit dangerous because, you know, a lot of a lot of French teams rely on selling players. I feel a lot of French teams might even have to sell players even more. You can imagine academies would be raided a bit more. You never want to see teams getting problems, teams potentially collapse, leagues collapse and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe France France officials will come to rule the decision to, to cut the season short because everybody else has continued it. I'm sure they had their reasons and at the time they were justified in doing such. But right now it looks a bit dodgy um, and it looks like you've cut off your nose to spite your face, really. 
moving away from that and you know Chris Hewton apparently is in talks with Bristol City to become their manager as you look know he's the former Brighton lad and he helped guide Brighton to promotion to the Premier League in 2017 so hopefully he can get that job and bag it people moving to transfers though um Graham Potter you know he's got a young lad on loan at Leeds Ben White who's going to he's being looked at by Premier League clubs and no doubt it's going to happen even more he said he expects that Ben White to develop into a top player and is convinced the defender is ready to make the step up to the Premier League so that kind of confirms that he will not be playing for Leeds he'll be playing for Brighton next season away from that Miss Lair, I can't pronounce his name, but he's a young under, I think at the time I saw him, he's in France under 20 international people. He has signed a three-year deal with Leeds United um, after making his loan permanent and that follows making Helder Costa's loan permanent. And obviously the prospect of playing in the Champions League probably had a decision on that. Um, I'm sure you've all seen 17-year-old midfielder Eduard Michant. Um, he was linked with Chelsea, Manchester City, Valencia and actually Arsenal. Apparently PSG have kept their men and the 17-year-old has signed a pro deal. Um, so that's good on them. I'm all sure you've seen Arsenal are keen on signing Jolison Fernandez. Um, he plays for Sporting. He's a baller. He's very good. He plays on the flanks. Can play on either wing. Good balance. Very good 1v1. Very brave to try skills. You know, doesn't get his head down when it doesn't work. Apparently, he's got a release clause of 54 million, 45 million, sorry. And apparently, Arsenal are intent on doing that. Apparently, his agent is Kaya Jarupkin, which is why you see the bulk of these rumours. He's been dubbed as the new Cristiano Ronaldo. Personally, I wouldn't go that far. He's contracted until 2021, I believe. So you can see why these rumours are being linked with moves away and meeting release clause could be seen as pressure by his agents to get a new deal for them. Apparently, you know, because of his contract and his willingness to not sign one, they're prepared to take 15 million for such. He's a baller, people, and if it's for 15 million, I wouldn't mind that. Um, uh, uh, Bamian is still linked with Barcelona. Jaden Sanjo is also still linked with Manchester United. And to wrap this up, I'd say top club, surely this is the last season we see Eze of QPR in the in the championship, you know, he made a clean sweep. He won players, player, coaches, player, fans, player, all them things there. He's got in 46 appearances, 14 goals, eight assists. And some of the, you know, it's not been a thing where stats have been masking it. He scored some very good goals, you know, good first touches, good for, to set him up, you know, beating players. He is a good player, you know, it'll be, it'll be, you know, who knows if he could ever replicate 14 goals and eight assists in the Premier League, but he's worth taking a punt on, on some clubs. And you could imagine this is the last year. Apparently, you heard Arsenal and Spurs were keen on him, as was Burnley and Southampton. So you could imagine him and his agent are going to be busy fielding a lot of calls this summer. Um, so, yeah, as you lot know, people, it's been a slow day in terms of news in, with football anyways, you know, as we approach the end of the Premier League season. So it's probably a shorter podcast than expected or usual. But it's not about the length, it's about what's spoken about people. So on that note, you know, there isn't more, much more to say. I'm going to get out of it. I'm going to get out of here, people. So yeah, people deluded them out. In fact, before before I get out, is it fair to say that Klopp has been more successful with Liverpool than Pep has been with Man City? I'm not too sure. Somebody asked me this question and I wasn't I didn't know how to put it. I would say yes because Chelsea, I mean when City brought him it was to win the Champions League like with all due respect they've won the Premier League already like he's not come and done anything different. I know he's been and listen to me I'm going to praise him. He's not done anything different. At Klopp, the only thing I've seen Klopp do wrong is said he'd win the Premier League more or less in three years. It's taking him a tiny bit longer, but he's giving them some more trophies to kind of say, all right, sorry for waiting. And, you know, obviously, 
I'm not saying Liverpool haven't spent money, but relative to what City have won and their ambitions, they haven't realised it. Yes, he's he's come, he's bullied the league, he's been a centurion, you know, he's improved players. Look at what Sterling, De Bruyne and all these things are doing. Pep has changed in the same way Wenger and Ferguson once did. Pep changed in Pep been changing England before he even coached in here because when he you lot saw it was all about tick attacker and all these things when he was at Barca. Munich people catted it, and again when he's come to the Premier League, people have copied it. But relative success, I'm more siding with Liverpool, you know, because uh, Klopp, because, you know, I, 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 I don't think Pep's exceeded expectations at City, to say. I don't think he's exceeded the expectations. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, he's, you know, he's, he's not really pushed the boat. Like, yes, like I said, he's improved players. He's got 100 points. He's reworked the game in, in England. That's Pep Guardiola. But the Champions League, if they win the Champions League this year, then fair play, I hold my hands up. All of this is irrelevant. But... Have they won that? What have they done that hasn't been done before? It's really been, like like I said, he's created history, but I think Klopp's created more history now that I think about it because the expectation, like Klopp wanted to win the league, that was Klopp's, but at the end of the day, he's ended the trophy, the, the major trophy drought in the, in the Premier League after 30 years. You know, he's won a hell of a trophies. He spent money, but I'm pretty sure he spent less than Pep. Obviously, the dynamics are different. And he's performed above expectations, you know. He's brought the Champions League. He's got to a Champions League final. He's got the Champions League the next year. And he's won the Prem after kind of bottling the Prem last year. So he's learned from mistakes, built the team, reworked it, you know. Obviously, it's not just Klopp. It's a coordinated effort in terms of transfers. They've spent the Coutinho money very well. I look at City, you know. City, even in the last few years, their recruitment, you know. I like that they've held strong, you know. They weren't trying to be held to ransom for Fred. They didn't get him. Alexis, the same. It didn't happen. Rodri's been a decent player, but has it been standout? You look at is it Zinchenko and obviously Cancelo. Nobody's speaking about that's a hundred odd million on these fullbacks, and they're both shit. Pardon my language. Um, you know, a couple of you know a team like City. Yes, injuries will ruin and derail derail any team. But just because Laporte got injured, that for me that was when it really went down the pot. Just because he's got injured, does that mean you should get blown out the water by Liverpool twenty odd points? is a difficult one. Like, I, I genuinely feel Klopp has exceeded expectations more so than Pep Guardiola at City. And I'm, you lot know me, I'm a big Pep fan. Like, Pep is, you know, he's a footballing god. Like, his Klopp for me. I'm a big fan of Klopp. And I just feel Klopp has exceeded expectations. I do think, I do think you know, Liverpool had to be convinced with Klopp um, to bring him in. And they probably had an inkling he'd bring success, but there's no way around it. I'm sure Liverpool fans are shocked to the amount of success they have. He's united the club, he's united the city. You know, he's a very good coach as well. Even if you want to go back to Germany, what he's doing with Dortmund and that, like he's done his thing. Like I think Klopp has, I think Klopp has probably, if you weren't to call it achieved more, I do think Klopp has achieved more with Liverpool or at Liverpool than Pep has achieved at City. Because if Klopp walks away now, what more could you say? The only thing you could say is, oh, he didn't retain the league. Oh, he didn't do a free peat. He didn't do this and do that. And I'm sure you could take that. If Pep leaves, it's the same monkey on his back that was there against City yo where's the champs yeah you changed the league and you batted up the league and you did this and that but where's the Champions League that's it you're meant to be Pep Guardiola and I don't believe it but you lot know there's football fans that will say yo he can't do anything without Lionel Messi where Klopp's shown you know I can do things with Lewandowski and them man there I can do things with these Liverpool man and the thing I like about Liverpool with all due respect 
it's not like these are world-class players, bar a few. Like, I'd say Mane, Salah, Van Dijk, Alisson, you know. Other than that, they've got top Trent Alexander-Arnold as world-class, Robertson as well in relative to left-backs around, you know. But they were all kind of made in-house. They didn't spend 50 million on Robertson. That was a young eight or something from Hull. Trent's come from the academy, do you get it? Van Dijk and Alisson, they've spent the, the Coutinho money on that. And like I said, Liverpool have spent money. But they spent money well. They've taken on, on top of improving co coaching and improving the side defensively. Their man, they have taken it up to a next level with Klopp's coaching. Do you get it? You look at and then and then. <clears throat> but when they're buying these players, they're not seen as world class. Like they're not. People used to turn up their nose at Mane. People be, like Harry Kane. People keep saying Salah's a one season wonder. Not bad for him. Firmino. I'm not gonna lie. I was rating his thing at Hoffenheim. But again, no one was screaming world class. You look at their midfield. You know. When Alden come from Newcastle, he's a calm player. You know, he's reworked his game. But you, you know, is he in the same bracket as Kevin, as as David Silva, as Bernardo, as all of these options they can have? No, the same goes for Henderson and Fabinho. I'm not saying these aren't good players. I'm saying it's remarkable because Liverpool. You could argue Klopp is getting more out of his players because they a lot of them are you describe as average, like Jordan Henderson. You know, no disrespect, he's got ability and he's a good coach, but he's getting more out of them. Is Pep getting the most out of all of his players? He's getting it out of Kevin. Sterling's playing well. Um, but, you know, has he developed stones? You know, what, what's going on with these full, the fullbacks I've just said? Do you get it? You know, why did Sane want to leave? Do you get it? Why, no, why, why is it taking only till now for Foden to get chances? Where's the other young players? Do you get it, people? So I, there is a le legit debate to have in that Klopp has overperformed with this Liverpool side, then Pep. And I'd say you, you when you do it like that, you have to say relative... Klopp has been more successful with this Liverpool side than Pep could ever dream of right now with the City side. Because the big topic is Champions League. Klopp's done that with less. Like, Klopp's done that with less. So Klopp is probably more successful in the Premier League. Like, yeah, Pep's won a couple of trophies, won a couple Premier League trophies and stuff. And I'm not, don't let me water down Klopp's stink. I just feel if he was to swap it, would Klopp win the Premier League with 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 City? I think so. To be fair, if would would Pep win the win the league with Liverpool? I think so. But would it happen as quickly? I don't think so. I'm not too sure. I think he's less likely to win it with Liverpool than Klopp is to win it with City. And when and that's me looking because I didn't agree with that first. That's me looking past the fact that Pep is a great manager and how I feel with, with how how Pep is. It's an interesting debate, people, but. I wasn't even managing to talk about that. It just randomly come up, but at least it's killed a few minutes for us. On that note, though, I'm really going to get out of here. It's always a pleasure. Deluded. I'm out, people.